All right, I guess I'm on. Well, greetings. It's great to be back with you this morning. Trust that you're going to be blessed in your worship today and uh, fellowship. Uh, we know the folks that are away are being blessed uh, for the weekend, so uh, what, a, what a privilege to be together uh, this morning. Typically, when I uh, preach a, a sermon, I like to uh, read the passage regarding uh, the message I'll be sharing. Um, and you might have already noticed that I'm preaching through Psalm 119. Well, today's going to be no different. I actually want to preach through Psalm 119, but I also want to read it. So I'm going to ask you, yes, I'm not kidding. I'm going to read all 176 verses. I want you to, and I've never done this before. I don't know if you've ever heard it done before. I've heard it done once. Um, and they were just as shocked as you were when I mentioned it. So I want you to take your Bibles, whether you have a hard copy, an electronic gadget, doesn't matter what, whatever God's word is in the form that you have. As I read Psalm, 1, uh, Psalm 119, and then we'll make some comments. Psalm 119. By the way, I timed it. It's about 13 minutes. And I'm going to let you stay seated, okay? Psalm 119. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart. When I learn of your righteous judgments, I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. I'm a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul is crushed with longing after your ordinances all times. You rebuke the arrogant, the cursed, you wonder, who wonder from your commandments. Take away reproach and contempt from me, for I observe your testimonies. Even though princes sit and talk against me, your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I have told of my ways and you have answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts so I will meditate on your wonders. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove the false way from me and graciously grant me your law. I have chosen the faithful way. I have placed your ordinances before me. I cling to your testimonies. O oh Lord, do not put me to shame. I shall run the way of your commandments, for you enlarge my heart. 
Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. Establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your ordinances are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. May your loving kindness also come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So I will have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. And do not take your word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I wait for your ordinances. So I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be ashamed. I shall delight in your commandments, which I love, and I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Remember the word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my confidence in my affliction, that your word has revived me. The arrogant utterly deride me, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I have remembered your ordinances from of old, O Lord, and comfort myself. Burning indignation has seized me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes are my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. O Lord, I remember your name in the night and keep your law. This has become mine that I observe your precepts. The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have encircled me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight, I shall rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous ordinances. I am a companion of all who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth is full of your loving kindness, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. You have dealt with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart, I will observe your precepts. Their heart is covered with fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. May those who fear you see me and be glad because I wait for your word. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Oh, may your loving kindness comfort me according to your word to your servant. May your compassion come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. May the arrogant be ashamed for they subvert me with a lie, but I shall meditate on your precepts. May those who fear you turn even to me, to me, even those who know your testimonies. May your heart, may my heart be blameless in your statutes, so I will not be ashamed. My soul languishes for your salvation. I wait for your word. My eyes fail with longing for your word. 
while I say, when will you comfort me? Though I become like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your statutes. How many are the days of your servant? When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? The arrogant have dug pits for me, men who are not in accord with your law. All your commandments are faithful. They have persecuted me with a lie. Help me. They almost destroyed me on earth. But as for me, I did not forsake your precepts. Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness continues throughout all generations. You establish the earth and it stands. They stand this day according to your ordinances. For all the things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me, and I shall diligently consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged because I have observed your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourselves have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and I will confirm it that I will keep your righteous ordinances. I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Oh, accept the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not gone astray from your precepts. I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever, even to the end. I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I wait for your word. Depart from me, evildoers, that I may observe the commandments of my God. Sustain me according to your word that I may live, and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Uphold me that I may be safe, that I may have regard for your statutes continually. You have rejected all those who wander from your statutes, for their deceitfulness is useless. You have removed all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors. For surety, for your servant, for it be good. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. My eyes fill with longing for your salvation and your righteous word. Deal with your servant according to your loving kindness and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for they have broken your law. Therefore, I love your commandments. Above gold, yes, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem all of the precepts concerning everything. I hate every false way. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul observes them. The unfolding of your word gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth wide and pant it, for I longed for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me after your manner with those who love your name. Establish my footsteps in your word and do not let iniquity have dominion over me. 
Redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your precepts. Make my face to shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of water because they do not keep your law. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. You have commanded your testimony in righteousness and exceeding faithfulness. My zeal has consumed me because my adversaries have forgotten your words. Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Trouble and anguish have come upon me, yet your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. I cried with all my heart, answer me, O Lord. I will observe your statutes. I cried to you, save me, and I shall keep your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. My eye anticipates the night watches that I may meditate upon your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. Revive me, O Lord, according to your ordinances. Those who follow after wickedness draw near. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord, and all, our, all your commandments are truth. Of old I have known your testimonies, that you have founded them forever. Look upon my affliction and rescue me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your, sal your words. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great are your mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your ordinances. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries. Yet I do not as turn aside from your testimonies. I behold the treacherous and loathe them because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. Let my lips utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. Let my tongue sing for your word, and for all your commandments are righteous. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live, that it may praise you, and let your ordinances help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the opportunity and the freedom that we have to gather together to open this book uh, that we call the Bible, that we call the scriptures. Uh, Lord, we look into it today and I'd ask that you would push me aside that we might hear from the spirit of God today as to what you would say as we look at it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, do you think I'd get through it or not? Praise the Lord for his word. I don't know if you caught it, but there are a number of re repeating themes 
Most think that David probably wrote this. There's no author attached to it. I'm going to claim that he probably wrote it. Uh, since we're not able this morning to cover all 176 verses in a normal expository sermon, we'd be here until dinner time. What I, what I want to do is I want to spend the remainder of our time looking together at really two primary considerations related to what I've called basking in the relevancy of God's Word. And you need to understand it is as relevant and as practical today as when it was written. Amen? It's, it's, it's truth to us today and, and it's good for us today to hear it. And what I want to walk away with this morning, and have you walk away with this morning, if I had an overall theme, it would be uh, the love for the Bible is foundational for life and service. That our love for the Bible is foundational for life and service. This is God's means of communicating to us from Genesis to Revelation. And I think the author, David, encapitalized all of it in 176 verses. He gave us a good amount of understanding of the scriptures. But first, before we jump into the text itself, I want to look at a few things by way of observation. Number, number one, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible and the longest of the Psalms. It is broken into 22 subsections, you probably saw that, with eight verses in each subsection. It's interesting that John Calvin preached 22 sermons on Psalm 119. I have read through his first sermon. I've got 21 more to go. And it is really interesting. Uh, you can identify each of those sections by the letter of a Hebrew alphabet, and each verse in that section begins with a corresponding Hebrew letter. It's interesting how the author put this together. It's very unique. You probably noticed in our reading that there are a variety of ways that the Bible is described. The law, commandments, statutes, precepts, word of truth, testimonies, righteous rules or judgments, and the word itself. You will also probably have reminded yourself as we were reading through there, there were a lot of words and a lot of thoughts that were drawn from 176 verses. Things like blessings, purity, instruction, commitment and faithfulness, meditation, a desired insight, revival, hope, love, comfort, correction, delight, security, or protection. Now you know why we can't preach all 176 verses this morning has been stated that Matthew Henry, and you probably know him as one of the greatest 18th century Bible commentators, it was Matthew Henry's father, Philip Henry, that told his children this, you take one verse of the psalm every morning and meditate on it. He figured that that way they would cover the entire psalm twice in a year. He told his children, and I quote, that will bring you to be in love with all the rest of the scriptures, unquote. By just reading Psalm 119, you will fall in love with the rest of the Bible. It is in this vein that I want to explore Psalm 119 with two considerations in mind. Number one, the love for God's Word. And second, support from God's Word. There are a lot of directions we can go, but I want to just go right there. The love of God's Word, the support we get from God's Word. Now, I believe that verses 1 through 3 really set the tone for the rest of the chapter. So let me reread those again. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. 
How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They do not do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. That starts it all off right there. So first, I want us to look at a love for God's word. That is going to reveal itself throughout this whole text in three different ways. There's probably more. I'm going to narrow them down to three ways. Number one, a love for God's word will be revealed through meditating in it. You probably saw that over and over where David talks about this meditation on the word of God. In other words, absorbing and and saturating oneself with it. In other words, there's an affectionate and a passionate caring for the value of the Bible. There are a lot of people who don't care much about this Bible. You can walk into many average homes today and it's, they might even have a Bible and it's sitting on a shelf. They probably never read it or frequently read it. We read earlier 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or person of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. That is central, I think, to everything David talks about. The inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God has not changed, will not change. So what does that really look like according to Psalm 119? Well, look over at verse 97. Verse 97 states, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. I I love your law. Can you walk away saying, Man, I, I, I just am in love with this book. And the reason you're in love with this book is not because you just want to worship this book. We don't worship the book. But we fall in love with the book because we fall in love with the author of the book. And this is his words to us. Oh, how I love your law, and therefore I meditate on it. Those who love God's law are going to spend time in it. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to ponder over its truths. Verse 127 says, therefore I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Man, gold was precious in this day, much as gold is precious to us today. And if you could, you could line up all the gold in all the world and put it alongside this book, I hope your number one thing is if somebody gave you a choice, you'd say gold is rubbish compared to this book. I'm gonna, I'll take this book any day. I love your commandments. One of the ways we do this, according to Psalm 119, is by storing God's word in our hearts. Verse, you know, that we have memorized as kids and we're still trying to Teach it uh, these days, verse 11, your word have I treasured or stored in my heart that I might not sin against you. I think it was uh, someone that wrote the song, you know, this, uh, your word have I treasured. I think it might have been Amy Grant that put that song together based on this verse. We sing it all the time. If you don't sing it, you ought to sing it. It's a good song. Good reminder. See, treasuring the value of the word in our lives daily is, is really a protection against sin. David knew that. That if I could put this word in my heart, if I could have it with me all the time, it will help me. And we have often said we need to memorize and meditate on God's word so that wherever we're at, we've got it. Because we may not always have the physical copy in our possession. It was the Prince of Preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that observed, and I quote, There is no hiding from sin unless we hide the truth in our souls. There is no hiding from sin unless we hide the truth 
in our souls. Absorbing ourselves in the Bible is indeed a precious treasure of infinite value. Perhaps that's why David then prays in verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I've tried to frequently do that as I come to the scripture and just come before him and say, God, I don't want to see this with my insight. I don't want to read this with my understanding. I want to observe this from your perspective. So open my spiritual eyes so when I read this book, I understand what you're saying. I want to grab that. I want to ask you this question at this point. What do you absorb your time in? What, what excites you to the, to the point of running it over and over again in your mind? Is it the Word of God? Or, or is it perhaps the latest news report? Uh, or maybe a sports statistics? Or maybe there's a program you just watch and that's just kind of floating all the way through your mind. Or maybe it's a recent victory or even a, a defeat. And that's what you're thinking about and, and pondering about throughout the day. Let me list a number of verses in this psalm that describes where our minds need to be. Psalm 119 verse 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and I fix my eyes on your ways. David understood that if I meditate in this book, it will be a way of leading me in the right way. Verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. As I see God move and, and work and do things, I stand in awe of that and I remember that and I think about that. Verses 47 and 48, for I delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. I mean, you read those two verses, you get a, you get, you get a clue from David. He loved the word. He, he loved the word. And because he loved the word, he, he meditated on it. Because he meditated on it, it brought delight to him. I'll talk more about that in a moment. And then verse 163, I hate and despise falsehood. Did you catch that frequent quip by David? I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. Folks, the more you fall in love with the word, the more you have a hatred toward evil. And I probably would preface that by saying the more you fall in with the author of the word, the more you fall in love with the word, and the more you fall in love with the word, the more you'll hate evil things in your life, in your life of those around you. Psalm 1 reminds us that the righteous person delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. There needs to be a, a love for God's word, and we do that through meditating on it. Second, uh, if there's a love for God's word, it's going to be evident through devotion to follow it. That would make sense, wouldn't it? It's not just a matter of sitting down, twiddling our thumbs, running it over in our mind now and then, but there's some action to it. Uh, we learn it and we obey it. And over and over, the author brings that out. There's not a shortage of verses in Psalm 119 direct us to this thought. Uh, remember what I read earlier in verses 1 through 3? Well, add verse 4 to that. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Why did God give it to us? So that we would obey it. So that we would carry it out. That's why we have this. That's why when we read it in our own time together, in Bible studies, preaching, wherever it might be, as we hear this word, the whole implication is do something with it. 
James says, don't be merely a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. That's what David's saying. This is tied, of course, to those who are blessed, who walk in his ways, who, who seek him with all their hearts, who observe his testimonies. That's what he's bringing clear to us. Because remember, a love for the Bible is foundational for life and service. David focuses his attention to a full-out effort of obedience noted in verse 32. I shall run the way of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. How does his heart grow? Because he says, I'm running after your word. I'm putting every effort, every diligence to this book, to this thing you have given to us. Now, he didn't have as much as we have today. We're blessed in that way. But he was going to still take it and work with it. But he needed God's help. And that's why he states over and over, teach me, O Lord, your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. I need to be taught. And I need to understand. I need to know what to do with it. The idea of being taught by uh, God comes up frequently in Psalm 119, like verse 66, teach me good discernment and knowledge. Don't we need that today? Don't we need some good wisdom and discernment and ability to think through things today? He says, for I believe in your commandments. Where are we going to get that wisdom? Where are we going to get that knowledge? Where are we going to get that understanding? Right here. This is it. If you're looking for it in some novel or some philosophical thing out there today, you're going to miss the boat. It's right here. And so I love verse 59. I considered my ways and I turned my feet to your testimonies. Uh, it's almost as though saying, I started reading your word and realized, oh, I need to make an effort to go this direction. I realize that now. I hasten and did not delay to keep your commandments. I read a, a, a Peanuts cartoon one day that said, there's no better teacher than the Holy Spirit and no better text than God's word. Schultz had a way of putting things just right down, pretty simple and straightforward, didn't he? There's no better teacher than the Holy Spirit and no better text than God's word. David said, I do not linger. He wasn't going to wonder. He didn't have any second thoughts. Keeping God's word and learning from it was his priority. Delaying to follow God, to not have true devotion to follow the word, in his mind was paramount to disobedience. And so that double expression that he gives is truly important. But there's a, a third thing that the love of God will reveal for us, and that is through finding joy from it. Finding a delight, finding enjoyment. I, I love reading Psalm 119. I have read it dozens of times, and I, I love reading it. I read it from different texts, uh, different translations, but I love it because over and over I hear this word come up, delight, delight, delight. And then every so often, joy. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart. I'm going to ask you a personal question. Do you find delight in this book and joy, or do you find it just kind of, oh, how am I better do it? I can tell somebody I did my devotions this morning. I read the scripture. Uh, are there other things that become more important than reading this book to you? Is this a joy? Sit down and open up the scripture. Now, it's not always pleasing because we read things that convict us, but it do you find other things that are more pleasurable than reading 
the word. Jeremiah says, man, it's, it's your word. David said, it's your word. Notice his thought in verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. He puts this book above riches. Psalm 19, which you probably might recognize, says the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Folks, I trust that we might come to that place where this saint found himself. I shall delight myself in your statutes, and I shall not forget your word. Those two are equivalent. There's something about delighting and rejoicing in God's word and spending time in it that helps you not forget it. To not forget it. This verse follows the thought in verse 15, again, of meditation. By the way, it's it's almost hard to kind of pull things apart because, you know, there are times that David has a way of using meditation, love, and delight all in the same verse. So it's kind of hard to separate them all out. So keep that in mind when you read it. But think of it this way. Where we have an inward delight in something, it will be a while before we see it fade. If we have a delight in something and we are joyful about something, man, it's going to take a long time for that to fade. And, and the more we become delighted with it, the less it's going to fade. Notice verse 24 and the implication of the author. Your testimonies are also my delight. They are my counselors. It's the only time I believe that this is used in all 176 verses. That the Bible, David said, are where I get my counsel. That's why I'm really gung-ho on biblical counseling. Counseling that's not psychological, imputed from human mindset, but it says, what saith the word of God? What does God say about that subject? What does God say about that area of my life? David found counsel from the word. And by the way, if you're getting counsel and it's not from the word, I think I can safely say, go find somebody that will give you the word because it will be your direction in life. David knew Life to be all too real. And that's why he writes in verse 92, if your law had not been delight or joyful to me, I would have perished in my affliction. How do we get through the the daily grind of difficulties and troubles and problems? It's by the word. It's through the word. David says in verse 143, trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandment are my delight. Can you relate to David? Man, trouble just seems to follow me wherever I go. I got anguish and problems and difficulties no matter where I go. But he says, I have to come back to your word, God, because that's where my delight is. It's not looking at the circumstances, but your word. So loving God's word is essential for our lives. The standards of God's word need to be absorbed. They need to be pondered. They need to be learned. They need to be followed in obedience and and delighted in. I trust 
you will have more of an appreciation and a love for this book day by day. And that each morning you will say, as the old song says, speak, O Lord, speak, O Lord. But there's a main, a second main consideration for you. Uh, and that's the support we get from God's word. And that too is experienced, I've narrowed down to three ways, that we will find support from God's word. Number one, by relying upon it. By relying upon it. In other words, that's where we find our trust. That's where we find our confidence. Psalm 119 inspires us to remember that God's word is supportive in numerous ways. We, we can't get to all of it today. But we draw upon this support, knowing and understanding the authority of the Bible. Again, it is God-breathed, not man-breathed. It is God's word, not man's inspirations. Psalm 119, verse 42 says, So I will have an answer for him who reproaches me. Why? For I trust in your word. If God says it, you remember the old saying, I believe it. And I know some people don't like it. I like it. I like the way it concludes. That settles it. If, if, if he says it, I'm good with it. I, I trust it. There's nothing I'll read in here that's going to lead me astray, that's going to lead me in the wrong direction, because that would take away from the character of God, who's the author. In verse 142, we note why David says we can trust it. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. I love that. This is truth. That's what he says. David recognized the importance of the truth of Scripture because it is God's very words to us. We can trust it, for it is his truth to us. I'm not sure who said it, but I, but I believe the thought is right on when they shared. The only way to ensure that we do not go astray is to have an objective source of truth that guides us. And this is the only objective truth that I know of because I can't even trust mankind at times. But I can trust this book. We read in verse 160, the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Twice in Isaiah 65, we see these words, the God of truth. Jesus is said to be full of grace and truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Colossians 1.5 says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth. James 1.18 states, of his own will, he brought forth to us by the word of truth. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 says, This is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what we want people to understand is this book and the gospel of this book. The very truth. Because there are so many things that are trying to replicate the truth that aren't right. And as we've seen, David's saying that the the word of truth was his counselor, which led him to a fuller understanding of the word. We read in verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts. In verse 34, give me understanding and I may keep your law and observe it with all my heart. It's the truth. So much so that David quipped in verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. I've often told young people, you want to be smarter than your parents? Are you smarter than the adults? Read the book. Gain wisdom and understanding from the book. 
Solomon, his son, spoke a good deal about understanding, insight, wisdom, and the truth in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 2, verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. We rely upon it as we rely on nothing else. Second, the word support will mean finding comfort, hope, and revival in it. That's an assurance and a peace that we have by, by finding comfort, hope, and revival in it. The author was definitely concerned about answering those who taunted and made fun of him. Because of his trust in the, the word, he asked the Lord, and do not take your word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. Where did he find his hope in this book? And that's why I think it's so good to be able to read the Bible, because that's where we'll find our hope. It was this hope that he desired God to remember his word Verse 49, in which you have made me hope. In a world today where there's not a lot to count on, uh, where there doesn't seem to be much hope, God's word provides a comforting hope that is based upon his promises. Personally, David needed revival in life in his own walk with God at least 11 times that's indicated in these 176 verses, the revival of his own heart. Someone once said, you want to begin revival? Stand alone, draw a circle around it, and that's where it begins, is with you. You and the Word. The Word will revive our hearts. I love David's comforting and encouraging words in verse 74. Those who fear you or those who reverence you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your Word. Let me ask, let me ask you this. As kind of I read through this, it just kind of dawns on me. Do those people that are around you find you a hopeful person? And because you've been spending time in word and they come to you, I don't understand why, why you seem so hopeful. Why you have a good outlook. I, I don't know about you, but I, I saw the news last night. It's not too hopeful. A lot of problems, a lot of difficulties. And by the way, I've often said I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but I tell you what, it's going to get worse. And the world's shaking their hands, heads at what they think is hope. They're putting in all sorts of things. And boy, boy, they're going to come to us someday and they're going to say, I don't understand why you're so hopeful. Well, David knew it was because he spent time in the Word. That in return had an effect upon other people. That, that, that comfort and that hope and, and that revival comes from knowing what God's Word says. He's our shield and our protection, verse 114. Uh, we are upheld by God and we don't have to be ashamed, verse 116. Hope provides obedience. In verse 166, I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. Uh, There's hope in life and comfort in life and trials. Verse 50 says, this is my comfort and my affliction that your promise gives me life. Man, there's nothing else that provides me what I can go through when I deal with these afflictions than the hope of your word. He says, when I think of your rules from old, I take comfort, O Lord. We need to remember that a love for God's word is foundational for life and service. And it's going to come by finding comfort, hope, and revival in the word of God. There's one last thing that the support of the word will reveal to us. And it's probably somewhat of a kind of a tough thing. And I've, I've already touched on it. And that's by accepting correction from it. And nobody likes correction, do we? 
Matter of fact, I know a number of people that you try to correct them and all they do is turn it around and correct you. They don't like correction. They don't like rebuke. They don't like reproof. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Not only are there blessings and direction and joys and comforts and wisdom and knowledge from the word, but folks, I'm here to announce to you that there are times of correction. And David in Psalm 119 brings that up frequently. He, he understands that. Verse 20 and 21 state, My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Get off the straight and narrow, guess what? God's going to jerk you up if you're his child. David acknowledged that there are times God uses discipline. He uses problems. He uses difficulties. He uses suffering and afflictions to get our attention. He writes in verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. What brought me back? The word. The word. It was a delight of following the word that gave him hope as he went through afflictions. Hebrews 12, 6 says, For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son in whom he receives. The very last verse of Psalm 119, verse 176 says this, I have gone astray like a sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. I love Spurgeon's way of describing this, and I quote, I lost my road and I lost myself. Even now I'm apt to wonder, and in fact, I have roamed already. I know the right. I approve and admire the right. What is more, I love the right, and I long for it. I cannot be satisfied to continue in sin. I must be restored to the ways of righteousness, unquote. And how do you do that? By being in the book. Perhaps that's why David acknowledged the importance of the word being a guide to him. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's what directed him, was the word of God. He would not, he would not forget it. Over and over and over again. In verse 16, 93, 109, 141, 153, and 176, he says, I won't forget your word. How do you do that? By being in it. Every day. Every opportunity to be in it. What a pleasure to be those who have the privilege of basking in the relevancy of God's word. May we increase our time with the Lord that we might have a heart of love for his word and find great support from it. We need to read it. We need to study it. We need to memorize it. We need to meditate on it. Because there we'll find direction and comfort and repentance and hope in it. I cannot forget that a love for God's word is foundational for life and service. I want to conclude with a couple thoughts. It was R.A. Torrey who said, and I quote, you may talk about power, but if you neglect the one book that God has given you as the one instrument through which he imparts and exercises his power, you will not have it. You may read many books and go to many conventions, and you may have all your all-night prayer meetings to pray for the power of the Holy Ghost. But unless you keep in constant and close association with the book, the Bible, you will not have power. 
He says, and if you ever have power, you will not maintain it except by the daily, earnest, intense study of that book. Ninety-nine Christians in every 100 are merely playing at Bible study. And therefore, 99 Christians in every 100 are mere weaklings when they might be giants, both in their Christian life and in their service, unquote. See, a love for God's word is going to mean, is going to come through meditating on it. It's going to come through a devotion to follow it. It's going to come through finding a joy from it. Our support from God's word is going to come by relying upon it, by finding comfort, hope, and revival in it, and by accepting correction from it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, there's a lot this morning that we've covered, but there's a heap of stuff that we haven't even touched on. Lord, perhaps maybe a project would be just to go home and sometime this week read through this book, maybe section by section just to ponder each section of eight verses, just to see what you say, Lord. And we pray that as we're before you, that you would touch our hearts. Help us, Lord, to continue to strengthen those things we're already doing. Perhaps there are some weak areas that need to be shored up as we study this book that is the inspired, all-sufficient word for our daily lives. And for that, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.